Uh, so, Father, we offer this morning up to you. Pray that your Holy Spirit would be here to open our hearts, open our souls, that we'd be able to leave the cares of the world outside as you speak to us, to know that truly our trust in you, that all is well with our souls. Amen. You know, our lives consist of game-changing moments. You know, a game-changer is it's something that radically changes a situation in your life or an event, you know, or, it's a, or a way of thinking. I mean, like, how about a new horse in the race at the Kentucky Derby? <laughs> Who would have thought Rich Strike would show up at the last few seconds and win it? A game-changer moment. Or a new player comes onto the field, or, you know, you get an eagle on a par five. It's a game changer. It's a game changer moment. Or you get that Popeye moment. You remember Popeye? He had that real pretty girlfriend, olive oil. And, uh, you know, and he, he goes, I stands all I can stands. And I can't stands no more. And he'd pop open the can of spinach, and he would go out and make a game changer moment of something that he saw going on that he didn't like at all. So it made me think, what if just for a week, what if we let God direct our path? For the whole week, not us at all. We let him place us in maybe a game-changer position, a game-changer moment that is so impactful, it literally changes the landscape of your life. You know, a game-changer is that aha moment when you see something that other people don't it all of a sudden becomes trans transformational. It takes you from ordinary to extraordinary. Like, remember Abraham. God said, I need you to leave, and I need you to leave this country, and I'll let you know when you get there, okay? Don't stop till I tell you. Game changer. Moses, I need you to go to the most powerful man in the world and tell him, let my people go. Daniel, spending the night in the lion's den, taking courage. Peter, when Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church. Or how about the three lives of individuals that when the heat was on, they never took their eyes off of God. That when the heat was on, they actually realized that they weren't alone. And that's what we're here to talk about this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. I'm going to be in Daniel today. I'm going to open Daniel chapter 3. And let me just kind of, if you have never heard this story, you're going to find it fascinating. If you heard it before, I want to do a little different spin on it. I want you to catch something here. Starting in verse 1, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold, the height of which was 60 cubits. That's actually 90 feet tall. All right, so just imagine. And its width was 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent word to assemble the satraps, the, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, all the rulers of the province to come to the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the satraps and the prefects and the governors, counselors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, they all the rulers, they all assembled for the dedication of the image that the king had set up, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up 90 feet. 
Then the, herald, then the herald loudly proclaimed, To you the command is given, O peoples, nations, and men of every language, that at the moment you hear the sound of a horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music, fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of furnace of a blazing fire. Therefore, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn and the flute and the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, the bagpipe, all the music, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language, they fell down and they worshiped the golden image that the king set up. For this reason, at that time, certain Chaldonians came forward and brought charges against the Jews. They responded and said to Nebuchadnezzar the king, O king, May you live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, and blah, 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 is supposed to fall down. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you. They do not serve your gods, or they worship that golden image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and anger, gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then these men were brought before the king. These are men of great promise. Friends, when Babylon conquered Jerusalem, they took away Jerusalem's best these men, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they were one of many. They were good-looking, they were very bright, and they were brought into Babylon, and they were raised, they were taught the language, they were given the names that we now have them here, and they were actually raised up, educated, and everything within Babylon are now in great positions of importance. Okay, they had risen, and they're the world's, it was the world's most powerful nation at the time. They were there, they're raising great, great families, they're living deeply fulfilling lives. I mean, they're doing wonderful things for their people and for their God. Their hearts were like anyone, they were full of hopes and dreams. But King Nebuchadnezzar commanded that all the people, you fall down and you worship this image. Anyone who does not is going to wind up in the furnace. And you need to understand, burning in the form of execution was a typical practice back in Babylonian days. This fiery furnace, though, wasn't like your oven at home, okay? It was a huge chamber. It was used to smelt minerals or bake bricks for construction. Well, the story goes on that Nebuchadnezzar responded, and he said to him, Is this true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you're ready... At that moment you hear the sound of the horn and the flute and lyre and the trigon and the psaltery and the bagpipes and all the music, fall down and worship that image that I have made, then everything's fine, very well. But if you don't, you will immediately be cast in the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And what God there who can deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But here's the thing. But even if he doesn't, let it be known to you, O king, 
that we're not going to serve your gods or worship that golden image that you have set up. You know what amazes me about their story? I mean, the moment has come when they realize that death is inescapable. And there's really nothing that they can do. Most of us would probably be dealing with some kind of regret and, and so forth in life. But for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what's interesting is that death is escapable. They can escape. All they have to do, bend the knee. All they got to do is bend the knee, worship the golden image, and guess what? The nightmare's over. That's all they got to do. They will live. They'll be restored to their positions of power, honor, and status. That's all they got to do. So here they are. They're headed towards unimaginable pain and death. And one word, one word could save them. But they would not say that word. They would not bend the knee. Life or death. But you see, they chose death. So the story goes that Nebuchadnezzar was filled with wrath. And his facial expression was altered. So you can, you know, would you ever get really angry like with your kids? <laughs> and you're like, my mom looking at me like, whoa, I really made her mad. Well, the king's face is just like, whoa. His facial expression was altered towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he answered by giving orders. Heat that furnace seven times hotter than it's usually heated. He commanded certain valiant warriors who were in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in order to cast them into the furnace of the blazing fire. Then these men were tied up, fully clothed, trousers, their coats, their capes, and, uh, and their other clothes, and they were cast into the midst of the furnace of a blazing fire. And for this reason, because the king's command was urgent, and the furnace had been made so extremely hot, catch this, the flame of the fire actually slew those men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So as they're getting ready to throw them in, the fire is so intense that the warriors that had taken the throne, they die from the heat. But these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they fell. Right in the midst of the blazing fire, still tied up. Nebuchadnezzar, he lost it. So he says, he lost it. I imagine they're telling him we're not going to do it. He goes, crank that thing up, man. Make that as hot as you possibly can. Just imagine these three young men facing what looks like the final moment in their life. They've been faithful all the way to the end. With, I mean, they follow God. They follow his laws. They've been faithful. But every exit's been closed. They feel the heat. They see the men who carried them to the furnace collapse and die from the flames. The storm of hatred is raging around them. Death knocking. Yet their last words are praising the Lord, even in the storm. And then they're thrown into the fire. So now they're in the fire. And they're just waiting for the searing pain for the numbness, for the smoke inhalation that will suffocate their lungs. Nothing happens. They don't feel any different. And it begins to dawn on them. They're not even warm. They got no burns, no smoke, and their restraints, they're, they're, now, they're gone. But this isn't the best part. Story goes that Nebuchadnezzar was astounded and he stood up in haste and he said to his high officials, wasn't there not three men cast 
bound into the midst of that fire? And they replied to the king, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men. There's four of them now, loosened and walking around in the midst of the fire without any harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Apparently, the four of them spent a little time together in the furnace. I wonder what they said to each other. I wonder if the fourth man in that furnace told them how proud the father was of their loyalty, devotion, love. I wonder if he told them that because of this one act of faithfulness, their names would be remembered for thousands and thousands of years throughout the history on earth. I wonder if he told them that for centuries all over the world, men and women who are facing suffering, that are facing persecution, trial, even death, would be strengthened by hearing their story. I wonder what they said to that fourth man. What did they say? I am sure they were praising him. Don't miss this. The furnace, that storm in their lives, which looked like the end, turned out to be the greatest thing they ever experienced. The furnace turned out to be the place that they met God. You get that? Here's the point of the story. They hoped to be delivered from the furnace, but God decided to deliver them in the furnace. Friends, that's the story for so many of us. Let me say that again. They hope to be delivered from it. But God says, no, 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 no. I don't know what anyone's dealing with, will deal with, listening here, but sometimes God delivers you in the furnace. It goes on. The Nebuchadnezzar came near the door of the furnace of the blazing fire, and he responded, and he said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, come out, you servants of the Most High God. Come on out. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the midst of the fire. The satraps, the prefects, the governors, kings, high officials gathered around and saw in regard to these men that the fire had no effect on their bodies of these men, nor was the hair of their heads singed, nor their trousers damaged, nor the smell of fire. Well, they didn't even smell like fire. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel, delivered his servants, who put their trust in him, violating the king's command, and yielded up their bodies so as not to serve or worship any other god but their god. Therefore, he says, I will make a decree that any people, nation, or tongue that speaks anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be torn limb from limb, their houses reduced to rubbish heap, inasmuch as there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way. Then the king caused Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to prosper in the province of Babylon. Let's just, I just look again, one, more, one last time at verse 28. I just love this. After everything gets down to the end, he said, Nebuchadnezzar, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Who got this God who sent an angel to deliver them because they trusted. They trusted in their God. Even though they frustrated the king, they yielded their bodies anyways, not to serve or worship any other God. I wonder what the rest of their lives were like 
We don't know. There's never mentioned again in Scripture. Never again. I wondered if when they were old men, many years later on the anniversary of the date, I mean, would they get together and just kind of remember, you know, they would remember when they were young men, full of courage and faith when they defied the king and walked around in the flames and spent a few moments in the presence of the living God. I bet they never forgot that moment, going into the furnace, which looked like the last thing they wanted to do, turned out to be the greatest event in their lives. You see, ironically, the furnace that looked like death turned out to be the safest place of all. You know why? <laughs> so missus, because God was there. The place looked like the worst it could, the place it could be. Why wasn't it? Because God was there. Just like the song we just heard about being in the storms of your life, remember that God's there. He's with you. God is in the middle of the storm with you. You know, we studied this because there's a great danger to the followers of Christ living in a comfortable world. The danger is the main goal of my life becomes furnace avoidance. I, I pray, God, deliver me from pain. Deliver me from discomfort. Father, deliver me from suffering or any inconvenience. Make my life smooth, God. Make my life easy. Make my life comfortable. Remove the obstacles from me. I, we even sometimes avoid low-level flames. You know, I, I, I had this oddest image. I was thinking as I was working through this message, I had a picture of God, and he's got this big calendar hanging up in heaven on, on a cloud, and it's hanging there. And on a date, on one of the dates on there, it's got Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. And he's got written down, I got to meet them in the furnace. I thought, what if they hadn't shown up? Their whole life is an adventure, dependent on that decision, the willingness to face the furnace. So here's a question for you. Where on the calendar, the one that God's got hanging on, where on the calendar does God have your name written down? Where does he have written down, I'm going to meet Pete, or I'm going to meet Mary, or I'm going to meet Blair? Where, where does he have your name written on the calendar that when it comes to time in your life that you've got to hang on to your faith, a struggle in your life? Where does he have your name? I've got to go meet them in the furnace. Maybe, just maybe, maybe we need to stop praying for deliverance from the furnace and maybe the storm that we're facing, and as for the presence of God, how about just meeting us here? Maybe there's a Nebuchadnezzar that God wants to meet through you. Maybe God's been whispering for you to get involved in some form of service, whether it's in the community, in the church, or whatever. Maybe it involves you using some of your spiritual gifts. I don't know. Maybe you've been avoiding what feels like the furnace, you know. Maybe you need to tell me, you know what, why don't you just meet me there, okay? Maybe the furnace involves a relationship. Maybe it's a financial hardship right now. You're going, I, I don't know what you're dealing with. I just know this. The golden statue in our world tends to involve gods with names like comfort, ease, security, success. It's not a golden image like Nebuchadnezzar set up, but in our culture, in our world, our Babylon, 
somewhere along the line, too many people in too many churches have gotten the idea of following God guarantees an easy life. Let me ask you a question. How many heroes in our faith had easy lives? Let me just read you a little bit part of Hebrews. And it says, what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephetiah, of David, Samuel, prophets, who by faith they conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, they quenched the power of fire, they escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness they were made strong, they became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, Women received back their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, not accepting the release, so that they might attain a better resurrection. And others experienced mocking and scourging. Yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskin, goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts. Mountains and caves, holes in the ground. And all of these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what God, what was promised because God had provided something even better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. What about the Mother Teresa's and the Martin Luther King's? You know, God says, fear not. Though you pass through the flames, you're not going to be burned. They will not destroy you. God says, I will meet you. I will meet you in the furnace. So a closing thought. Imagine these three brave men standing before the most powerful man with bold defiance in the world. With one clenched fist, they say, God can rescue us, and we believe he will. In essence, they're saying, King, you think you control the situation. You think our lives are in your hands. You think you hold our ultimate fate. You couldn't be further off. You couldn't be further off. We serve a God who created the earth, who holds the stars in his hands, who set you on the throne, and who will rule long after you when your empire is gone. God has the situation well in hand. But... And he raised the second fist with equal confidence. But even if he doesn't save us, we're not going to serve you. We're not going to serve your gods. So great, so awesome, so worthy is our God, okay? Even if our bodies get burned in this flames, we're still going to follow our God. We trust him in life, and we trust him in death. I brought a couple, I brought some boxing gloves. And I want to leave you with a thought. Because if you don't remember anything else I said today, I want you to remember going, what was that reason Paul put those boxing gloves on? You know, in case you were just sleeping just now. Go, why did he do that? I want you to look around. At your situation. Whether it's a health issue. Whether it's a financial issue. A family crisis going on. 
fear of what the heck's going on with, in this world and with Russia and, and all, everything that's going on. And I want you to put these on and go put them up. Raise your faith, put them up. You know, I just sit there, whether it's a health issue, a family crisis, I want you to sit there and remember, you think you're in control of that situation? You look at that situation you're struggling with right now or what will come into your life. You sit there with your faith of gloves on. You think, you think you're in control? You think my life's in your hands? Oh, man. You think you hold my fate? You couldn't be any further wrong. I serve a God who created the earth, who holds the stars in his hands, who controls your next breath. You control nothing. God has this situation well in hand, and he's more than able to save me from my current situation. But, but, even if he doesn't, so great and so awesome is my God, even if he chooses not to save me from my current situation, this is the only God that I'm going to serve. This is the God whom I trust with my soul and with my eternity. Baby, this is double-fisted faith. Friends, this kind of faith, this is what our God deserves. This is the kind of faith that the Holy Spirit empowers us to handle any situation, no matter what struggles you're fighting with today. Remember this. You get that situation and you get on your knees, you open your Bible, put them up. Put them up, situation. My God's got me. You are nothing compared to this situation, and it will turn out just the way that my God wants it to turn out, and it will be for my betterment. So just put them up. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are literally in our corner. <laughs> You're there, Lord, in the midst of that storm. You're there, Lord, to carry us through those difficult moments in life, those moments of life when we're just uncertain what to do next, when those lives when we're just challenged to strike out at someone. Lord, when we're just sitting there looking at the family situation, this is never going to get any better. Let us always remember, Lord, that it's through our faith in you that you will never leave us and you will never forsake us. And all of God's people said, amen. God bless you.